Well, good morning. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? I'm going to do something I haven't done here. I used to do it all the time since everybody's saying hi. Why don't you stand up and say hi to somebody real quick? She's, she's got one announcement. Yeah, she, she's got a couple of announcements to make. Stacy does. And she's doing BGM. Just a couple things real quick um, before we get into BGMC. Um, Want to pray for Julie this morning. So we're going to do video worship this morning. I tried to get somebody to come in and fill in for her. She's got the flu. She called me yesterday and, oh, she just sounds horrible. So we need to pray for her and her family. And it's going around to a, uh, another family that's, uh, uh, that's not here with, that's sick too. So, um, so I want to pray for that this morning. Pray for Julie. The second thing is I, a friend of mine, and I, I bring this up. He's a pastor. He's a mentor of mine. He pastors in the Pendale District of the Assemblies of God. And his son, who's around 42, 43 years old, um, has been struggling for a few years. And he asked me that I could share this this morning. He asked me to pray this morning. He called just before we left the house. And uh, his son has been taken to the hospital in the psych ward. And uh, he, they found him in the graveyard saying, I serve Satan. And he was on the phone with John this morning or yesterday and had a different voice and was speaking in a different language saying he serves Satan. And so John knows that he needs to be delivered. And so God is still in the delivering business and that still happens today. So I want to lift up my friend John. I told him I would do it. He asked me to do that this morning. And for anybody else that's sick, let's just pray for our family today. Father, we lift up uh, our, my friend John to you this morning. We pray for his son, Philip, and I pray right now that you can bring a breakthrough. You said that we're the body of Christ, and when one part of the body hurts, the rest of the body hurts. And so, Father, even though there's a distance of several states away, you can do a work in his life. I pray that, Lord, the Holy Spirit would begin to minister to him and deliver him and bring revival to his heart. Touch John and Bonnie as they minister to their son and their two sons. Help them. And I pray, Father, give them wisdom beyond their years. Give them encouragement, give them strength today from not only their congregation, but your Holy Spirit. Father, we lift up Julie. Father, we're so thankful for her and, and for the worship team and them uh, singing and, and leading us into your presence. We pray, Lord, that you would bring healing to their family today. We come against the flu in Jesus' name and that sickness on them. We ask that she would recover quickly. And anybody else in the church that's sick or needs healing in their body, we pray for the anointing of your Holy Spirit to be poured out on them that by your wounds they are healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm going to turn it over to my wife. She's got a few announcements to make and then BGMC, right? Good morning. Third time's a charm, right? Today's BGMC Sunday, Boys and Girls Missionary club just wait um, since it is BGMC Sunday I'm going to go ahead and um, make this little announcement and then we'll collect the, the offering for it 
Our missions banquet is coming up March 3rd. And over the next few Sundays, you're going to be seeing displays and things up throughout our church to promote missions. Um, we're going to be focusing on the countries of Costa Rica, the United States, the United Kingdom, and the Philippines. And if you are interested in any way that you would want to help or do anything, please see me after church. Huh? Yes, I have recipes that we're going to be making. There's six recipes per country, two appetizers, two entrees, and two desserts. Some of them are pretty interesting. They're all fairly easy. If you are interested in doing that, please come see me and I will hand them out to you. Um, but we're going to be talking about how important it is for us to give into missions. Missionaries all over the world, including the U.S., they, that's what they live off of. They need our support, not just financially, but they need our prayers. Um, it's very hard. It can be hard on the family. They do so many things. Sometimes we don't even know what they do because they're not allowed to say what they do. That's why we're going to be promoting this, and we're going to be doing this every year. Um, so today, we're going to be talking about Uruguay. So kids, you want to come up? <laughs> All right. So let's see who can collect more, the boys or the girls. I don't know. All right, let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time of giving that we are able to bless the missionaries and their families, and we're able to give from our hearts. We ask that you um, give us favor, give them favor, and let this grow um, and plant seeds for everybody that needs to know you and that hasn't heard heard the gospel. Let this be the one thing that, that we can do um, towards the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. It's encouraging to see a lot of young kids up here. It's the future of the church. It's a church now, believe it or not. Okay, I don't have very much today. And y'all are the fortunate few. Because this, you guys will have to look at me from now on. 
we're having a board member meeting tonight. I mean, we're having a business meeting tonight, and that's the most important announcement I have. If you're a member of this church, you need to be here tonight. It's in your best interest to come and determine who leads your church and to see who leads your church and know what direction that we're going. And we have some stuff to discuss uh, as far as the future of the church. You also get to determine uh, some new board members tonight. And I'm going to tell you, if you're a visitor, you need to be here. Because even as a visitor, you want to know what direction this church is going and who's going to be leading it. And you need to be thinking about joining this church if you're not a member. And then you have more say in what we do and how we do it. And what we want to do and what we want to say is follow God's lead. And with you all here and helping us, direct us and guide us and pray for us, that's where we're going to be. So the most important thing today, if you don't get anything out of this or the sermon or the singing or the sermon, come to, come to church tonight, 6 o'clock. We're not having service. We're having a business meeting. You need to be here. And I'm not, I'm not downplaying anything. I'm not downplaying the sermon or the singing or anything like that. I'm just saying this is important for the whole next year to, to know who's leading your church and be in on it. Okay, uh, Brother Ron Stinson and myself will be leaving after tonight. There's going to be somebody else up here. And so you want to be here and find out who. Okay. The announcements that I have are very, they're just the normal announcements today. Um, February 17th in the Fellowship Hall, we have our men's breakfast and, and a Bible study. Um, February 3rd, which is uh, next Saturday, we have our regular Saturday Bible study. And uh, for all you guys, we have donuts and coffee. In case you're interested, it's free. You don't have to go anywhere and get donuts or coffee. Do I? Can you come? I don't care. <laughs> if you want free donuts and coffee. <laughs> uh, heart to Heart, February 20th. Hang on. Hang on. I can hear you, but everybody else can't. Um, heart to Heart. Vicki Sanders will be coming and speaking for us, and Leanne Hart will as usual, be leading our praise and worship. Uh, Sean and I are going to do all the food, so we're not even going to ask you to bring any food. We're not promising anything, but we're going to give it our best shot. <laughs> okay, ladies, remember that. Come to it. And guys, they're furnishing all the food. I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, sure, I'm, not, sure that you're, I'm not sure that you're invited, but the food is free. <laughs> That's what we do. Okay, and the only other announcement I have is uh, prime timers on February 24th. Uh, you have anything to talk about yesterday? Okay, Sister Carol said they had 16 people here, and I'm sure they all got all they wanted to eat and had a good time. All right. Um, okay. Come here. It's your mic. No, I just wanted to give you a real quick update. How many of you guys know that our sprinkler system burst, uh, and this, is, this has happened the fourth time? And so we're not the only ones in the state that that's happened. Uh, it was a couple weeks ago, but we, are, we have a contractor that we're looking at. I talked to him this week. I've got some estimates from him. And these companies are hard to get um, they're because of all the bi uh, pipes that have burst in the state. But we've got a good company that we're looking at. 
and there's a couple options we can look at, and so, um, and uh, it's just that we need more drainage in our church. So, and and so they're called drip barrels, and I, I'm learning this as much as everybody else. I don't know how fire systems work, but uh, just to let you know, we are working on that. We will discuss some of that tonight at our annual business meeting. So. Okay, we just got one more thing since Julie's not here today. Guys, offering, come on up. Let's take it. They're on their way. They're all old and slow. <laughs> just to, Hey. So, just in case you guys didn't know, I'm a Texas fan. And in case you don't see me up here anymore, you're not going to get to see this. <laughs> okay. Just, 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 just for everybody that didn't know, that's, that's where we're at. <laughs> All right. Lord, we thank you, Heavenly Father, for the day. We thank you for the opportunity to come and stand before you, praise and worship you, Heavenly Father. We pray, Lord, that what we do will be in your will as we seek your will in our life and we seek your presence in our life, Heavenly Father. We know that all that we do, that you bless us, and all that you do for us is for our own good, Heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord, for this congregation, Lord. We thank you for the offering that we're about to take. Pray that you will use it, Lord, for your church, for your people, and for your glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, I pray. Amen. Yeah, doesn't he do a great job? <laughs> and speaking of that, we're so blessed to have such a great worship team. And uh, but you know, they're really missed this morning. So, uh, but because of the sickness, we're going to do video worship. So, this how many of this is new for you, or maybe you've done this before? But I want to thank uh, uh, Sherry and Rick for getting this together this morning. Would you please stand as we go to the Lord in prayer? We're going to do video worship this morning. Father, we honor you this morning. We glorify you. We've come into your house to give you praise. Whatever problems or struggles we brought in here this morning, we cast them at your feet. As it says, uh, when, if we're anxious, to cast all our anxiety on you, for you care for us. And we do that this morning, and we come boldly and confidently before the throne of grace to give Jesus the praise that is due his name. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. I love you, Lord. Oh, 
a congregation together. We we exalt you this morning father we worship you one day we're going to be in heaven worshiping you but we don't want to wait till then we start now we exalt you Jesus we exalt you Lord we lift up the name of Jesus because at the name of Jesus every knee will bow every tongue confess on the earth and under the earth that he is Lord. Jesus, you are Lord. You are mighty and you are great. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. I'd like to dismiss the kids to go back at this time. You know, I like video worship, but I sure do like a live worship a whole lot better. <laughs> we really appreciate our worship team and all those that are involved in it. Well, how's everybody doing this morning? Everybody have a good week? Yeah. It's warming up. I've heard it's going to get up to maybe 67 degrees. That's why I like Hawaiian shirts. It always reminds me of the warm weather. Um. Something that's been on my heart this week, and it's been on my heart for a while, but I really prayed about this week. We're going to look at the, 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 the country of Israel. Last week we looked at the times that we're living in, and Israel is God's time clock. Jerusalem is God's minute hand. And so we know that time is getting close for our Lord to return and to take us home. And so we need to look at, and all the things that are going on in the Middle East, so we're going to be looking at a scripture. So if you have your Bibles, open up with me to Deuteronomy chapter 32. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12 this morning. But before we do, the reason why I want to discuss this is all the stuff that's going on in the Middle East right now. And there's something called Reformed theology that has crept into the church. And the idea is that we as a church have replaced Israel. And guys, that, that is not the truth. We have not replaced Israel. God, Israel is still God's people. Now, yes, we are children of God. We're grafted into the vine. But the nation of Israel is still God's. And that has not changed and will not change. And so we need to have a proper understanding of how important Israel is to God. 
and why we need to pray for them and support them in what they're doing. So Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 1 through 12. It says, listen, O heavens, and I will speak. Hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching fall like rain and my words descend like dew. Like showers on new grass, like abundant rain on tender plants. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. They have acted corruptly towards him. To their shame, they are no longer his children, but a warped and crooked generation. Is this the way you repay the Lord, O foolish and unwise people? Is he not your father, your creator, who made you and formed you? Remember the days of old. Consider the generations long past. Ask your father and he will tell you, your elders, and they will explain to you. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided all mankind, he set up boundaries for the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted inheritance. In a desert land he found him and in a barren and hallowing waste. He shielded him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them on its opinions. The Lord alone led him and no foreign god was with him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we not only look at some of the verses in this scripture, but several verses today about the nation that you call the apple of your eye. Father, help us as believers in Christ understand how important it is that we pray for Israel, that we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, that we stand with them, that we understand that they are still your people. Father, I pray that you will rise up within believers to pray for Israel. Give us an understanding on our hearts today. Open up the eyes of that understanding. And Father, as your vessel, I can do nothing apart from you. Speak through me with the demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power that all of our hearts would be understanding of what your Spirit is saying today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Before I get into my notes this morning, I want to look at a few things in this verse. Notice that in verse 3, he says, I will proclaim the name of the Lord, oh, the praise and greatness of our God. He is the rock. His works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright, and just as he. Uh, Moses is writing this, and he's speaking about who God is. Now, this is the same God, a guy that uh, God put in the cleft of the rock, and his glory passed by. And all God's goodness passed by him. And, and Moses is speaking about who he is. He is the rock. I love that in my Bible, the word rock is capitalized. We know in Scripture that the rock is Jesus. The rock on which we stand. All of the ground is what? Sinking sand. He is the rock. And his works are perfect. And all his ways are just. That means everything that God does is just and right. There is no wrong in him. So when he says something in his word, it's true. We need to realize that we can't take God's word and change it to fit our circumstances. We change our circumstances to fit God's word. He is a faithful God who does no wrong and is upright. 
and he's just. You need God to be just in your life, he will be just for you. Then Moses prophesies about what would happen to the Israelites, that they would turn from him into the future. He says, they have acted corruptly, verse 5, towards him. To their shame, they have no longer his children, but a warped and crooked generation. And verse 6, is this the way you repay the Lord, O foolish and unwise people? Is he not your father, your creator, whom made you and formed you? Let me stop there. Even though he's speaking to the Israelites here, he's speaking to each one of us. We are formed and created in the womb. Psalm 139 says, God knit us together in our mother's womb. He made us in a secret place, and we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We have to remember who our creator is, and that he is God. He is almighty, and he's perfect. Then look at verse 7. Remember the days of old. Consider the generations long past. Ask your father, and he will tell you. Your elders, and they will explain to you. Uh, this younger generation, start looking to other godly people for understandings of the word of God. We need to look to those that are older than us, that can instill and, and mentor us and speak the word into us and make sure that they are biblically sound and that they know the word of God and they live by it. Verse 8, when the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided all mankind, he set up boundaries for the people according to the number of the sons of Israel. You know, God was the first one that set up borders. I'm not speaking political, I'm speaking biblical. Nations are to be nations. God set forth the boundaries for each of us. Did he not just say it in his word? Do you know why God did that? Because man came together at a place called Babel, the Tower of Babel. And their heart was evil. And, and they, they decided that we're going to ascend to the Most High. And so God separated their languages. And it also says during the time of Peleg, which means land divided, we don't know. I mean, who knows when the lands and the continents were divided, but we all know if they fit together like a puzzle. Anybody put a puzzle together? Uh, we got a puzzle, although the cats keep jumping on the table and knocking it over, and we have to find the pieces or the kids get into it. God has a puzzle, and it was separated during the time of Peleg. God set the boundaries, but look at what he says about Israel. Verse 9. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is allotted inheritance. And then he says in some verse, and in a desert land, he found him. He's speaking of Abraham. He called Abraham out. In a barren and howling waste, he sh shielded him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his what? His eye. He's speaking about Israel. Israel is the apple of God's eye. So God calls Israel the apple of his eye. If you see me turn this way, it's because my notes aren't coming back there, so sorry. Look what he says here. For thus says the Lord hosts, he sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you. He who touches you touches the apple of his eye. Israel is God's apple of his eye. What does the apple of his eye mean? The phrase apple of his eye was used to describe something precious, easily injured, and demanding protection, David Gusick, in his commentary. Israel is precious to God. You and I are precious to God. Thankfully, we've been grafted in. In fact, I'm going to go to something that's not my own. How many of you have your Bibles this morning? 
Turn with me to Romans chapter 11 real quick in your Bibles. This is not in my notes. And if we don't finish with this today, we'll pick up where we left off. Look with me in verse 11. Again, I ask, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Speaking of the, of the Jews, the Israelites. Paul is speaking about salvation. Not at all. Rather, because their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. When they rejected the Messiah, it opened up the doors for you and I to get saved. If you're not Jewish this morning, you're a Gentile. Most of us here this morning are Gentiles. If you have some Jew in you, you're probably a Samaritan. It was to make them jealous. Look at verse 12. But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their fullness bring? I'm talking to you Gentiles and as much as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I make much of my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from dead? If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. If some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though a wild shoot, you and I Gentiles are a wild shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not boast over these, those branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand in faith. Do not be arrogant, but be afraid, for if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness, otherwise you will be cut off. And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. After all, if you were cut out of the olive tree that is a wild nature and contrary to nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? Meaning that you and I were grafted in an olive, a wild olive shoot in, in nature, and I don't know much about planting, and, 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 and I might get this wrong, so if you're, a, if you're good with this, then you can correct me afterwards. But what I've been told in, in Israel is that a, a normal natural olive tree will not take a wild shoot. It's not natural to be grafted in. You can graft in a, a branch and graft it into a wild, uh, an olive tree, and it will grow. You and I have been adopted into the family of God. We've been, we've been grafted into Jesus, into the body. But the reason why we have is because the Jews rejected the Messiah. God brought in, but can I tell you, during the tribulation period, that's what they call the time of Jacob's trouble, the focus is going to turn back to the Jews to bring them into salvation. Which means that we'll be out of here. God has not forgetting, forgotten Israel. It's still the apple of his eye. It's still precious to him. And we need to pray for Israel. All that is going on in, 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 in the Middle East right now, we need to pray for Israel. 
The Bible says if you bless Israel, you'll be blessed. If you curse Israel, you'll be cursed. And if we get through some of those notes today, Bill Koenig, I took it from his website, he goes in and he talks about all these natural disasters that have happened in the United States from the time that we started trying to make a two-state solution in Israel. You mess with Israel, you're messing with God. He esteems as, as much as men value their eyesight and is as careful to protect them from injury as men are to protect the apple of their eye. The pupil of the eye is the tenderness part of the tenderness organ and very fitly sets forth the inexpressible tenderness of God's love. That's Spurgeon cited by Guzik. That's what God feels about Israel. Israel, again, is God's nation and the apple of his eye. And he hasn't forgotten that. He made a promise to Abraham. Does God keep his promises? Yes, he does. So if he promised Israel that he, they were his nation and the apple of his eye, he's going to keep that promise. Just like he will keep his promises for you and I. When he speaks something over your life and you're still waiting on that to be fulfilled, it will happen. I've had prophetic words spoken on my life. Some have been fulfilled, some haven't. I'm still waiting on some. God will fulfill his promises. When was Israel established? That's the next thing we need to look at. When was Israel established? Well, let's go to some scripture. Israel was established when God called Abraham. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Look at me in verses 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. Important, the land. God had land for Abraham. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Did you notice that all peoples on earth would be blessed through him? How were we all blessed? Through his offspring, through the seed, Jesus, who is, who is a, a generational. You can look in Matthew and Luke. Luke goes back through Mary's lineage. Matthew goes back uh, through Joseph's lineage. Jesus goes back to Abraham. And Jesus died on the cross so that you and I could be grafted in so that we could have salvation. So all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Think of all the people in the world that are saved today, that are celebrating the Lord today on the Lord's Day. But I want to focus on that part that I read early. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. May I suggest something when you're praying? Say, God bless Israel. There's nothing wrong with that. We're not being a, a name and a claim it type of people. We're just saying what the word says. If you bless Israel, you'll be what? Blessed. God, I, I bless Israel. Bless them, Lord. 
Bring them to salvation. God still cares for his people. Let's go to Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 8. You may say, Pastor, what does this have to do with me today? It has everything to do with you. And I've shared this before. We're seeing the signs of the times, like I shared last week in Matthew 24. We're starting to see things begin to wind down, where God is shifting his attention from the Gentiles over to the Jews. You know, Jews are getting saved left and right now. God is reaching them. You're seeing that shift. And so what does that say about you and I? We not only need to bless them, but we need to be ready. I really believe, and you hear me say it every Sunday, you're going to be like, Pastor, I'm tired of hearing this say. Well, one of these days you're going to be like, oh, praise the Lord. It happened like Pastor said it would. No, like Jesus said it would. Wouldn't I, I've always wanted to do that. I, I, I pray, that's my heart's prayer, that it happens on a Sunday morning. Wouldn't that be great? If you don't hear the trumpet sound, you're in trouble. Some, some of you got that. Genesis 17, 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you are now an alien, I will give it as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. How long was his covenant? Everlasting. Everlasting means forever. That's God's covenant with Israel. That's why it's important to bless them. God hasn't forgotten about them. And what land was it? Canaan, where the Canaanites were, where the Philistines were which we're going to learn a little bit later on today. Do you know the word Palestine is, is a word that was given by the Romans called Palestinia? Anytime, the, and this is in my notes, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but I wanted to share this. There is no race of Palestinians. When the Romans conquered the Jews in Jerusalem in AD 70, and then, and then finished them off in AD 73 and 74 in Masada when the 960 Jews committed suicide on, on top of that mountain. They named Israel after Israel's arch enemy, which was the Philistines. And, and, and their translation of Philistines is the word Palestinia, where we get the word Palestine from. That land does not belong to them. It belongs to the Jews, to the Israelites, to Israel. God said Canaan. Other passages of Scripture, he calls it a land flowing with milk and honey. That's God's land. It belongs to him. So when did Israel get its name? Well, we got more Scripture. Do you guys like that? 
Look with me in Genesis 32, verses 22 through 29. Genesis 22, Jacob wrestles with God. I believe that the person that he wrestled with is what we call Christophanes, a physical manifestation of Jesus in the Old Testament. There are several occasions you will see it in the Bible where Jesus appears in the Old Testament before he comes in the flesh. He is in the beginning, right? I got some looks from everybody. What are you talking about? He is the beginning and the end, right? The Alpha and the Omega. He always has been. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created by him and for him, and he holds all things together. Colossians chapter 1. So look at verse 22. Jacob wrestles with him. Jacob means supplanter or a deceiver. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of his Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Let me stop for, for a minute. Guys, don't let go of God until he blesses you. Sometimes we get in a hurry when we get for prayer and we think, oh, God's going to touch me. And we spend about five minutes here and then we leave. I shared a story last week and I'm going to share it again at Northwest University, a, a young lady had a disease, a sickness. Now, Northwest University is an Assemblies of God University in Washington State. And I remember one of the campus pastors coming and speaking at one of our sectional meetings. That sectional presbyter. Everybody got to understand what that means. He's like a leader. And he came and he spoke there and he talked about a young lady that was sick with this disease. And she, she stayed at the prayer service and she said I'm not leaving until God touches me and it was an incurable disease and she stayed there and she stayed there she was there for like three hours and guess what happened she got healed and it ministered to the doctors true story sometimes we need to wrestle with God until he does something verse 27 the man asked him what is your name Jacob he answered which again means supplanter or deceiver. Then the man said, your name will no longer be deceiver, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask me my name? Then he blessed them. I believe that name is Jesus. The name Israel means God prevails. If you're wrestling with God today and you haven't surrendered your life to him, can I tell you God's going to prevail whether it's in this life or the next. I, I would rather him prevail now than after I take my breath, my last breath. So that's where the name Israel came from. What did God promise Abraham in Israel? Go with me to Joshua chapter 14. Joshua 14, 
me in verses 1 through 9. Joshua chapter 14. Now these are the areas the Israelites received as an inheritance in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest, Joshua son of Nun, and the heads of the tribal clans of Israel allotted to them. Their inheritances were assigned by lot to the nine and a half tribes as the Lord had commanded through Moses. Moses had granted two and a half tribes their inheritance east of the Jordan, but had not granted the Levites an inheritance among the rest, because God is their inheritance, by the way. For the sons of Joseph had become two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. The Levites received no share of the land, but only towns to live in, with pasture lands for their flocks and herds. So the Israelites divided the land, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now the men of Judah approached Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me, the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance, and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Boy, there's a lot of sermons I could get out of that. How many of you guys are following the Lord wholeheartedly, like Caleb did? But God allotted certain land to the Israelites. Now, understand this. The land that Israel has today is the size of New Jersey. That's it. It's roughly the size of New Jersey. But the land that God gave them is this. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. From the wilderness in Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even to the western sea shall be your territory. That's it right there. That's what God allotted Israel to Abraham. That's a big chunk, isn't it? That technically belongs to Israel. Changes your perspective, doesn't it? Do you know during the millennial reign of Christ, it's going to be like that? The Hebrew word for Gilgal means a wheel or rolling or foot. We were talking about wherever you put the sole of your foot. And there's a reason why I'm kind of jumping to this for a second. I want to show you something. There are at least five sites recorded in the Bible that have the same name. Each of these sites was marked with stones. Now, when it says foot or rolling stones, it literally means a figure eight. Okay? A figure eight really makes the shape of what? A foot. The 12 stones that Gilgal were read about in Joshua were carried from the riverbed of the Jordan by one man. Each of the 12 tribes of Israel to make a memorial to the work of God in parting the Jordan and allowing them to pass over on dry ground. Archaeologists have discovered evidence of several of these sites and they all have something in common. Their stones are arranged in two intersecting circles that resemble the figure eight, or a foot. The figure eight is the shape, again, of a foot seen in the next slide. I want to show you this one. There's six of these that they have found in Israel. Do you see that? I got a little, can you guys see my clicker here? I've never used one of these. I'm not, I won't shine it in your eye, I promise. There's a place called Shiloh, or Shiloh. It's where... Uh, Eli fell over dead when the Ark of the Covenant was taken. It's where Hannah prayed. 
And you can go on to CBN, uh, Christian Broadcasting Network, and they have a whole thing on it. They have just discovered how the Bible is true. They have found where the Ark of the Covenant sat. They found the gate where Eli fell over and where Hannah prayed. They have found artifacts in the road that they talk about. Well, after the Ark was taken, not too long after, the Ark, they believe, was right here. And over here was an altar. And this is a path that the people would walk. This is the largest of six of them in Israel today. God literally said, where you put your foot belongs to who? You. See the footprint right there? And there's one right here. When God told them that at Mount Sinai, this is actually in Jabalaz, the mountain Jabalaz in Saudi Arabia. You can, you can look it up. It, you can write it in your notes called Mountain of Fire. I shared this in Sunday school by Bob Cornuke. If you want to look, you can go YouTube it. And they have found the real Mount Sinai in Saudi Arabia. I've shared with you guys this before. How many of you guys have heard this before? But I'm going to share it again. On top of the mountain, you could see it from a distance. It's about 8,000 feet high. You could see the whole top of the mountain is black where God came down in fire. You go up on top of the mountain and you cut the rock in half. It's granite. It's not volcanic. They said it's been burned. On the other mountain across from it is a cave. It's the cave where Elijah was put and where God put Moses when he passed before him. At the bottom of the mountain is a trough where they took the cattle and they have found ash where they sacrificed the cattle. They have found 12 pillars or stones in the, in the circle at the bottom. of it. They have found quail in this area. They found a three-story rock that splits in two where the water went into an old lake bed where it was pressure flake from hydraulic from water coming up out of the ground where God provided the water for them. They have found quail there. They have found the stone with sketchings of cows on it. Remember when they put the altar of the cow up on top of it? So you can go look it up. The Saudis have put a fence around it. It's there. And that's where this foot is, is in that area. And I, I couldn't find the other slide, but they have found rocks with footprints on it. That land is what God gave the Israelites. God was fulfilling his promise to them. Has God fulfilled his promise in the scriptures today? He has brought them back. We're going to look at that this morning. Israel is the very embodiment of Jewish continuity. It is the only nation on earth that inhabits the same land, bears the same name, speaks the same language, and is worshiping the same God that it did 3,000 years ago. You dig the soil and you will find pottery from the Davidic times, coins from Bar Koba, and 2,000-year-old scrolls written in a script remarkably like the one that today advertises ice cream at the corner candy store. And that's from Christianity.com Weekly Standard. In fact, the Hebrew language was resurrected when they came back to their homeland. They're the only group of people that after 2,000 years that were dispersed that have stayed together and kept their traditions. God also promised what belonged to Israel. Let's go to Genesis chapter 15. Are you guys learning anything this morning? Look with me in verses 18 through 21. Again, I'm just reiterating what God has already promised to them, but verse 18, 
It says, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river of the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Catamanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephites, Amorites, Canaanites, and Gershites, and the Jebusites. I just call them all the ites. God gave it to them. Something just dropped in my heart, but you know God has given us territory. He's given us a relationship with Jesus. He's given us victory in Him. He's given us His armor that I preached on a few weeks ago. He says that we're to reign in this life. That we're to walk in the fruits of the Spirit. That our feet are shodded or, or, or fitted with the gospel of peace. That you can have peace in your life. There's a lot of things that God has given us that's under salvation, just like he did the Israelites. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Again, here it is. The approximate borders assigned during the conquest. Again, this is what's going to be during the millennial reign of Christ. At the end of the tribulation period, Jesus is going to come back and rule for a thousand years. He's going to give it back to him. And you know everybody in the world is going to go to Jerusalem, to Zion, and, and, and during the annual sacrifice. That's a lot of people. So when did God disperse Israel to other nations? That's the next thing we need to look at. Did God prophetically speak that he would do that? Yes, he did. God scattered the Jews seven years after they rejected Jesus as Messiah and put him to death. And again, Jesus prophesied that this would happen. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to him, do you not see all these things? Surely I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. When they rejected Jesus as their Messiah, Jesus prophesied that the temple, remember last week I talked about this, on the temple mount would be destroyed. In fact, the reason why uh, all the blocks are completely off the temple mount, they don't even know where the temple exactly stood because the Romans went in and pushed all the blocks off to get to the gold that had burnt. They said one of the Roman soldiers had, was drunk and lit it on fire, and, and because of that, they saw all the gold melting. They just decided to start searching for gold. That still hasn't changed. Men still goes after material things, don't they? God, if I just get that one lottery ticket, I'll win $8 billion. You have a better chance of getting struck by lightning. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him. Remember this from last week? Privately saying, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Again, we talked about that last week. This occurred when the Romans, under the leadership of the soon Emperor Titus, besieged Jerusalem in AD 70 destroying the temple and eventually causing the Jews at Masada at AD 73 and 74 to commit suicide. God prophesied this would happen and it came to pass. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples and you will be left few in number and among the nations where the Lord will drive you. Then the Lord will scatter you among all peoples from one end of the earth to the other. And then you, there you, sh you, you shall serve other gods which neither you nor your fathers have known, wood and stone. How far did he say he would scatter them? Throughout the whole earth. Did he do that? Yes, he did. Do you know who has the highest concentration of Jews in, in the world today? New York City. New York. One of these days they're going to start going back. They've been spread all over the place, South America, Europe. God prophesied that it happened, and it happened. 
Do you hear that? God prophesied that it would happen. It would happen. So if God says something over your life, is it going to happen? Yes, it will. If he says, I'm going to come back and get my church, is it going to happen? Yes, it is. If all the things that we're learning about the end times is going to happen and is happening, what's that say about our God? What's that say about being ready? There is no race of Palestinian people. I already talked about this. See, I went ahead of myself. The Romans, again, in fit of spite, reapplied the term Palestine to the land of Israel centuries later after they defeated a Judean uprising in 135 CE. In effect, the Romans sought to erase the association between the land of Israel and the Jewish people. But God, did you hear that? But God, I know today's a little bit more about teaching than it is about preaching, but the reason why I'm doing that is people need to have a proper understanding of what's going on in the Middle East today. A lot of Christians don't know this. I shared this with you already. The, pal the word Palestine moniker continued to be used long after the Roman Empire fell. The word, again, Romans used was Palestinian, where we get the word Palestine. Now, let me share something. God cares about those that are Palestinian. He cares about them getting hurt and injured. God cares about every one of us, doesn't he? He loves us. He doesn't want to see anyone perish, so he loves them. You know, I just watched a, a report Palestinians, revivals coming to them. They're having dreams of Jesus. Yeah, give, give a clop offering to the Lord. That's true. They're actually coming. There's a revival happening with the Palestinians. God, we need, guys, we need to pray that for our nation. We need to pray that for our people. But can I tell you, if we begin to divide Israel, it, more stuff's going to come on us. What's happening to our land? It's division. Why? Because we've tried to divide the land of Israel. If we would just leave it alone, we'd be all right. After the final battle of 135 AD, Israel became a barren wasteland. Scripture talks about that. Look at what it says. I wish I had the verses. Usually they say it up here. They don't have it up here. I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations where they were strangers. The land they left behind them was so desolate that no one... Traveled through it. This is how they made the pleasant land desolate. That's from scripture. Mark Twain's thoughts on the holy land of all the lands. There are four dismal scenery. I think Palestine must be the prince. Renowned Jerusalem itself, the stateliest name in history, has lost all of its ancient grandeur and has become a pauper village. The riches of Solomon are no longer there to compel the admiration of visiting oriental queens. The wonderful temple, which was the pride and the glory of Israel, is gone. Palestine is desolate and unlovely. And why should it be otherwise? Palestine is no more of this work day world. It is sacred to poetry and tradition. It's in his dreamland. Mark Twain, Innocence Abroad, that's in his book. He basically said it's a desolate wasteland. So after, after the, God dispersed Israel, it became exactly what Scripture said, a wasteland. Again, but God, riding on horseback through the Jezreel Valley, Twain observed, there is not a solitary village throughout its whole extent, not for 30 miles in any direction. There are two or three small clusters of Bedouin tents, but not a single permanent habitation. One may ride 10 miles hereabouts and not see 10 human beings. God, did God say he would bring the Jews back to Israel? 
Why this history lesson today? Again, this involves you and I as believers. We need to be careful of, of wrong doctrine that's being taught in the church. This is sound doctrine. This is from the Bible. Israel's still God's people. And as you bless them, God will bless you. As a church blesses them, God will bless that church. As a nation blesses them, God will bless that nation. It's God's people. God did say he'd bring them back. Did he say he'd disperse them? Yes. Did it happen? Yes. Did he say he'd be desolate? Yes. Again, what can we take from this today? If God says it, that settles it, and I believe it. God promised to preserve the Jews. Only if these decrees vanish from my sight, declares the Lord, will Israel ever cease being a nation before me. What did God say about Israel? They would never cease to be what? A nation before him. Therefore says... Therefore, say, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, although I sent them far away among the nations and scattered them among the countries, yet for a little while I have been a sanctuary for them in the countries where they have gone. God protected them. They are the only nation or group of people who kept their way of life and traditions despite being scattered throughout the world. No other nation has ever done that. That's a hand of God. God preserved them. And God will keep us. He who began a good work in us will keep us. God promised he would one day establish Israel back in their homeland. Though I scattered them among the peoples, yet in distant lands they will remember me. They and their children will survive and they will return. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. When did God start bringing his people back into Israel? Here's another history lesson. Starting in 1867, the Jews started a movement called the Zionism. God's about something called jubilees. Do you guys know what jubilees are? Every 49th to 50 year, and we're going to read this scripture they were to return back to them. Anybody that was a slave was to be released. It's called redemption. It's called liberty. It's a jubilee. It means freedom. And so they started this Zion movement to return the Jews to the promised land. In the following years, due to the persecution in Europe and Africa, Jews began to immigrate back to Israel. The leader of the movement was Theodor Herzl. Fifty years later, in 1970, the Balfour Declaration was approved by the British War Cabinet. Boy, go do a study on that and you'll see the miracles of God in that. The Ottoman Turks were in charge of Jerusalem. And uh, General Allenby sent leaflets into Jerusalem to tell the people to leave. And they thought it said Allah. And so they left without even a shot. It said Allenby, but it was translated Allah, so they thought their God, which is not real, by the way, was telling them to leave. God has everything worked out. He has everything worked out in your life. He's going to work everything out. He works all things out for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. I share that every Sunday, but it's the truth. If he did for Israel, he can do for us. 
This is what it says. His Majesty's government's view with favor of the establishment of Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people and will use their best endeavors to facilitate the achievements of this object. Fifty years later, a jubilee year in Jerusalem, the young, uh, during the, when they went to war in 18, uh, 1967, uh, um, um, a rabbi blew the shofar. He was 50 years old. He was born in 1917. That was a jubilee year, and they blew the shofar in Jerusalem when they won the war. God still loves his people. It's awfully quiet in here this morning. I think it's because you're getting a history lesson, right? It's just you absorbing this. Again, 50 is a jubilee year. Count off seven Sabbaths, you're seven times seven years, so that the seventh Sabbath year amounts to a period of 49 years. Then have the trumpet sounded everywhere on the 10th day of the seventh month. On the day of the atonement, sound the trumpet throughout your land. Went a little ahead. Sorry. I think my clicker's messing up on me. Consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you is to return to your family, uh, property, and your own clan. Can you turn it to the next one? I think my batteries are going out. The 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. Do not sow and do not reap what grows of itself or harvests the untended vines. Next one. So the Bible says that Israel would be born in a day. Not only did he say they would return, but God said that they would be born in a day. Would you go to the next slide? Before she goes into labor, she gives birth. Before the pains come upon her, she delivers a son. Next slide. Who has ever heard of such a thing? Who has ever seen things like this? Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yet no sooner is Zion in labor and she gives birth to her children. God prophetically spoke that, that they would be born in today. Do you know Israel was born in one day in 1948? Go to the next slide. Well, i got to finish the scripture first. Do I bring to them the moment of birth and not give delivery, says the Lord? Do I close up the womb and when I bring to delivery, says your God? Go to the next slide. So was the nation of Israel born in one day? Yes, it was. Next one. U.S. President Harry Truman was the first world leader to officially recognize Israel as a legitimate Jewish state on May, 9, May 14, 1948, only 11 minutes after its creation. What's that say about God? Is Israel still his nation? Yes. His, his Bible, I love this. Okay, for as a pastor, when you're studying this, I'm going, Yes. And I get goosebumps even doing the study on it. Because his word is true. Guys, if a church is not preaching the Bible, run. We stand on the word of truth. We stand on God's word. Next slide. His decision came after much discussion and advice from the White House staff who had differing viewpoints. Some advisors felt that creating a, next slide, Jewish state was the only proper response to the Holocaust and would benefit American interests. Others took the opposite view. Keep going. Concern about the creation of a Jewish state would create more conflict in an already tumultuous region. And that's taken from the Harry S. Truman Library and Museum as part of the presidential library system. And this came from the National Archives. This is from our own National Archives that, that talk about that, that it was born in 11 minutes. What God says he will do. 
Next slide, please. So would the world be obsessed with Israel in the end times? Now we're coming to the part that we're at. Next slide. This is in Zechariah chapter, chapter 12, a prophecy, the word of the Lord concerning Israel. The Lord who stretches out the heavens, who lays the foundations of the earth, and who forms the human spirit within a person declares. Next slide. I'm going to make Jerusalem a cup that sends all the surrounding peoples reeling. Judah will be besieged as well as Jerusalem. On that day when all the nations of the earth are gathered against her, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations. All who try to move it will injure themselves. Is there any more on that? Did you see that in Zechariah chapter 12? What have we been trying to do all these years? Separate Jerusalem. A two-state solution. That's not God's way. And when you do that, what will happen to your nation? It will be destroyed. I think a lot of the division, of course, is because we've turned away from God. But a lot of it also is because we've turned away from God's nation. We're the number one nation that has always supported Israel. But if we turn our back on Israel, we're turning our back on God and God's blessing on our nation. Go to the next one. Oh, Biden says the world cannot give up on a two-state solution to Israel. The Palestinian cop, this was just a few days ago. I want to look at all of these. Now, this is from Bill Koenig's website. He's done a study on this. He's a, he's a reporter that's been in the White House before, um, and he is a Christian. All these, Katrina, George W. Bush, go back to that slide before. Right after George W. Bush tried to do a two-state solution, all of these happened within days of us trying to commit a two-state solution. Go to the next slide. Rita, Charlie, Irene, Matthew, Francis, Allison, all of these dates coincide with us trying to create a two-state solution or trying to bring peace to the Middle East or to Israel. Next one. All these, look at all these. Hurricane Florence, 17.9 billion, and Hurricane Michael, 15 billion, were from 2018, would make the top 20 list at the 11th position and the 13th position. When Barack Obama and his administration were pressuring Israel to give up their land, the largest tornado outbreaks in the U.S. history occurred simultaneously. Look at it. Super tornado outbreak, 1st of April. We all know this, right? Joplin, 2011. Oklahoma City. We all remember those. Those happened simultaneously when we tried to split Israel. George H.W. Bush, the day that he... Uh, tried to do the, I think it's the Oslo Accords, I can't remember with Yasser Arafat, I might have that wrong, so don't quote, quote me on it. That same day is when the perfect storm, anybody ever watch the movie The Perfect Storm? It's got bad language, don't watch it. But it, in that movie, it wiped out George H.W. Bush's, Senior Bush's house. God takes Israel seriously and we need to do the same as Christian people. As born again people, God-fearing people, we need to take Israel serious. The year 2011 had the most billion-dollar disasters in U.S. history as the Obama administration called Israel's developments in Judea and Samaria illegitimate and pressured them to stop building homes and make peace with the Palestinians. Next slide. Look at these super outbreaks. Remember the Moore tornado? I didn't live in Oklahoma at the time, but I remember it on the news. Because my mom and dad live in Tulsa. 
I know what it means to live through a tornado. I lived through one in 1993 in Katusa. They killed seven people in F4. Go to the next one. I, I'm just showing you all these things. Bill Koenig, this he gets credit. This is his from his website. All right, go to the next one here. Next slide. All these were a result of trying to divide Israel. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Do you guys mind going a few minutes over? We're almost done with this. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. The Apostle Paul, speaking to the church in Thessaloniki or Thessalonica, says this in verse 1. Now, brothers, about times and days we do not write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. He's talking about the end times. While people are saying peace and security or safety, Destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. What's going on right now? Peace and what? Security. All over the news for the last, since 1948, they keep saying peace and security. Verse 4, but you brothers are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You're all sons of the light and the sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then let us not be like the others who are asleep. But let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to thee, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Why did I read that? Because it says in the last day they will be saying peace and security. That's what they're doing with the two-state solution. They're trying to bring peace and security to the Middle East. But what did it say? I mean, they're actually literally fulfilling prophecy. Who would have known that Paul put peace and security in the Bible and then they put it up on these banners? And they say it on the news. I watched a clip of how many news, uh, newscasters have said this over the last few years of of. Uh, famous uh, uh, leaders, political leaders saying, peace and security, peace and security, peace and security. They're fulfilling prophecy. That tells you how close are we to Jesus coming back. And when he says in later times or of those times, they're going to say this. But you and I, verse 9, we're not appointed to suffer God's wrath. Is that the end of my slides? Praise the Lord. I had to have slides this morning because I wanted to show you how important it is to support Israel. Guys, why this whole study on this? Well, we see all this stuff happening. It's a tinderbox right now. How many of you guys have been watching this stuff? I'm not a big news guy. I don't like watching news. Even sometimes the weather gets on my nerves. That's why they call it weather predictions. But I've been reading a little bit and watching a little bit. And it's like a tinderbox over there ready to to light. Nations are talking about World War III. UK and Germany and some of them are wanting to send troops into Ukraine now. Wars and rumors of wars. All the stuff that I talked about last week in Matthew 24 about the signs of the times that God is coming back. 
Jesus is coming back and we're seeing prophecy fulfilled. We don't know how long a generation is. Psalm 90 says uh, that a man's years are 70 years, 80 if he has the strength. Some believe that could be a generation. Some believe back then it was 40 years. We don't know. But I can tell you this, the Bible says that will be signs that we will see that we're living in the last days and that there's a convergence of signs today. There's a convergence of signs. And I took a, a raise of hands last week. Did I say that right? Anyways, I asked you all to raise your hands last week if you believed that we were living in the last days. And everybody said that. And, and I would be wrong as a pastor not to teach you this stuff and to prepare you that Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back soon. And prophecy has already been fulfilled. The Bible says that, uh, or uh, uh, mathematicians have said that they, just the eight prophecies that were fulfilled in the Old Testament of Jesus coming would be like filling up the state of Texas with quarters. 25 cent quarters up to your knees. The probability of eight of those happening. And yet we know that there's more that have been fulfilled and more that are being fulfilled. And the one that we just learned about today, that God would bring his people back to their homeland and he would put a protection around them and that anybody that moved Jerusalem would destroy themselves. Guys, we have got to start praying for Israel. We've got to have an understanding that that land belongs to them and it's the apple of God's eye. Here's another wonderful thing. You and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit and anybody that tries to destroy that temple, God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that he will destroy, that destroy anybody that tries to destroy that temple. So guys, we can hold on to the promises of God. If God did that for Israel and it still belongs to him and he keeps his promises then what will he do for us? Every head bowed, every eye closed here this morning. Are you here this morning and you would say, Pastor, I have, I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never given my life. Or maybe you have, but you're not living for him. You're not right with him and you need to get right with him this morning. He says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Are you, if that's you this morning, you've never given your life, or maybe you have and you're not serving him, and you want to you recommit your life to him or, re, or commit your life to him today and surrender your life, would you just slip up your hand? Are you here this morning? Everybody's saved. Are you, are you here this morning? You'd say, Pastor, I have loved ones that aren't saved, and I want to pray for them this morning. Would you just lift up your hand? Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for anybody here this morning that you're knocking on the door of their heart and they didn't raise their hand, but you're knocking at it. You're calling them to salvation. You're calling them to surrender their life. I pray that you would speak to them, give them divine appointments this week and remind them of the eternity separated from you and how horrible that would be and remind them of the salvation that you give them. Father, I pray that you would do that for all of our loved ones that we prayed that those that raised their hand and those that didn't, we pray for our loved ones this morning that would come to Christ before you come back and you blow that trumpet and you take us out of here. God, we want to take as many people as we can with, with us. So Father, we pray for them. Begin to soften the soil of their hearts. Begin to plant seed for them. Send people their way, divine appointments. Soften their hearts that they would receive salvation. And Father, remind us that we're to occupy till you come. 
that we're to be about the Father's business, doing ministry, works of ministry. And as we leave these doors this morning, we're going into our mission field. Give us all divine appointments this week. Give us the words to speak. Lord, help us to plant seed. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Blessings to you. Thank you for letting me give you a history lesson this morning. Um, don't forget we have our annual business meeting tonight, 6 p.m. If you're a member of the church, please come. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.